Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. We are at episode 128, part two, Empath Life During Heartbreak. So please make sure you listen to last week's episode 127, part one, Empath Life in Romantic Relationships. Even if you already kind of think you know what an empath is, I've identified as an empath for years, but it had been a minute since I read up on being an empath, and it really blew my mind when I revisited this subject and learned a lot more about what being an empath is, which made me really have a lot more patience and compassion for myself. So I unpack what an empath is in last week's episode, which was inspired by a client in my group program, same title as this podcast, Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. It's for all women. This podcast is for everybody, but my program is for all women. Even though I use the pronoun him in the title, it's just because of my own experience as a straight woman who moved through a lot of heartbreak and ultimately very deliberately called in the man of my dreams, which I teach you exactly how to do in my program. And so this client, I referred to her as Jen last week. She was just really having a lot of judgment on herself for having very intense feelings about someone who she didn't know very well. And I could totally relate. And it just was so apparent to me that this woman, Jen, is a full-blown empath. And I couldn't believe that here I am, (laughs) almost 130 episodes into doing this podcast, and I never did episodes on being an empath. I said this last week. I think it's important to say it again here today. I believe diagnosing ourselves, whether we are identifying as a particular number on the Enneagram or we're identifying with our star signs or we are identifying with our attachment styles or here there's this label called being an empath. I think that they're all valid and I think that there's a lot of truth to them, but I think it's a slippery slope when we say, well, I'm just like this because I'm an empath. I'm just like this because I'm a six on the Enneagram. So I think we can educate ourselves to have a better understanding of who we are. And the same goes for when I label my rock bottom X as a narcissistic sociopath. First of all, just make sure you are doing your research and you understand exactly what you're talking about. Because now more than ever, the term narcissistic sociopath and narcissist, I think, are just being thrown around uh, too loosely. And it dramatizes your pain. It really does. So make sure you're educating yourself and you understand what you're talking about. And then what I offer as your heartbreak finding love coach is, okay, so you identify as an empath. We have a better understanding as to why you're feeling these huge feelings. And now let's do the work to navigate through them. I'm doing this three-part series, especially for empaths. And even if people here listening aren't empaths, but maybe you have an empath in your life and you want to have a better understanding of how they operate. This is about 
navigating your life as an empath instead of, oh, this is a huge problem. No, you're an empath. We're not changing that. You have really big feelings. And the work here isn't to make your empath issues. I'm putting up air quotes as I as I speak here. Your empath issues, we're not making your empathic reactions or responses go away. I'm here to talk about how to navigate through them. So there's so much to sink our teeth into here, which is why last week's episode, I just wanted to establish exactly what being an empath is. And a quick recap there, an empath isn't someone who just can empathize with someone else. I mean, they can and they do, but empathizing is really to just understand another person. But empaths take on the feelings of other people. It's fucking exhausting, y'all. It can really be fucking exhausting. Whether it's me with my clients, whether it's me with my partner, whether it's me with my partner's kids or my friends. And even though I've done a fuck ton of work to really learn how to implement boundaries and not take on other people's thoughts about me or feelings that they're navigating through that have nothing to do with me, it happens to me on social media. It happens to me when people leave me shitty reviews on this podcast. I take it on which P.S., if you've been enjoying this podcast, would love for you to leave me five stars and a positive review (laughs) because I'll also take that on as well. And that part's really fun. And so I talked about this last week. Being an empath, in my opinion, is a blursing. It's both a blessing and a curse (laughs) because when I'm in love and I'm thriving in my dream business and I'm out with girlfriends and having the best time, I am just feeling so high on life and so happy and really being someone who thinks that once she's on her deathbed, she can look back and say, damn, I lived my life to the fullest. And I was in such appreciation of so many amazing moments that some people might take for granted or see as mundane. And, you know, now at 40 years old, having been through so much fucked up heartbreak and dysfunction in my life, not just in my love life, but in so many areas, which is why I created the fall in love with you section in my program. Again, stop wanting him back and find someone better because I think we attract really broken people because of our broken relationships with ourselves. And it creates more pain. And then we're making it about, especially if we're empaths, we're making it about them, but it's really about our relationships with ourselves. So now in my ideal relationship, in my dream relationship that I know I very deliberately created with my partner, Larry, basic things like Being present with him and watching TV with him and wrapping up in him and smelling him and nuzzling my nose in his neck. Sorry for the cheese, but I'm like, this is heaven. Almost two years in. And some could argue two years in is uh, still the honeymoon phase, sure. But I know for me and I know for him, we really soak in the small moments and walks on the beach and getting takeout and opening a delicious bottle of wine and just being together. And I feel that way about his kids. Like I'm just in awe of these little beings that he created and are the center of his world. And when I'm around them and I watch their interaction with him, I think I have this next level appreciation and my heart next level bursts 
both because I had such a fucked up past in my relationship and I questioned if I'd ever come close to a mother role. And I also think because I'm an empath, I I just feel so much overflowing giddy joy. So that's the blessing aspect of being an empath. It's like, oh my God, my love for his kids and my love for him and my love for my clients. Like when I get off my group calls, I just get so excited and my heart bursts for their breakthroughs. My heart bursts for their vulnerability and their bravery to just bring their shit to the table and get what they came for, get the healing, get the growth, all of it. I'm just like, oh, what could be better? And then (laughs) the curse part can be real fucking dark, real dark, real heavy. And I'm going to get a little bit more into that because I just moved through a pretty heavy period and I want to make a whole episode out of it. But what I will say is, and I know I'm biased here because I am a coach, my darker moments and my darker periods, again, as an empath, they don't go away. The heaviness can feel so raw, so overwhelming, can take such a physical toll on my body, can make me feel so irritable, can make me feel like the world is a dark place. Again, I'm also an actress, so the drama can can really kick in to full effect. But I'm going to offer what one of my clients, Emily, who recently guested on this podcast, she was on the episode when you're on the precipice of finding true love. We can link that up in the show notes. She offered in the group as someone who's been working with me now for a year, she transitioned from one-on-one into the group. She said, you know, I have had some ups and downs and highs and lows recently, but what I can honestly say is that my lows are so much quicker because I'm deliberately and consciously navigating through them with coaching. And that's what this is about, to really just heavily bring home the point that This work isn't about making your pain and your heaviness disappear or prevent it from ever happening or to lessen the highest of high feelings and the lowest of low feelings. It's about how do we navigate through them? Because we're having so much freaking fun when the high is high, right? But it's really freaking painful when the low is low. So that's why in today's episode, I wanted to address empath life during heartbreak. And next week, I'm going to get a little bit more into the whole inspiration for this three-part series, Jen's experience of dating as an empath and navigating through that and the deep feelings she had for someone she didn't really know. And spoiler alert, that's not a problem. Empaths feel deeply. They feel strong pulls. We're not making those go away and we are not making the strong pull a problem just because she doesn't know them or just because the person isn't reciprocating it back. And again, I'll expand more on that next week. Okay, so I think it's so much harder to be heartbroken when you're an empath. Now, I don't know what it's like to not be an empath. I always took on people's feelings from as early as I can remember. But I imagine it is harder because there are people out there who I see moving through heartbreak much quicker, not needing or wanting therapy, even though I think therapy and coaching should be just a top priority for everybody. Even if you're not moving through conscious pain, I think if you want to live your best, most conscious life and create a next level, amazing life, even if right now you're like, but my life is amazing. 
I would question how amazing it is if you're listening to this podcast called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. Maybe it's for entertainment purposes. And my hat is off to you if you're madly in love and all the boxes are checked and you really couldn't ask for more. But I don't even think it's about like, oh, I couldn't ask for more. It's like, however old you are and however long you plan on being on this earth, why wouldn't you want to enhance it in some way, shape or form? Even if you're listening to this episode and or to this show regularly and you're not needing to heal your heart or find love, like where else could you do a little work on your mental health? Not necessarily with me, but with a therapist or a coach that specializes in some other niche. Just a little food for thought. But the reason why I think being an empath during heartbreak is so much harder is because you're already feeling your own pain so deeply of the loss. And then you're also managing his or her feelings and taking those on. So it is just a double whammy of painful feelings. You're in, I'm just going to use the heteronormative term here, right? You're in his head and in his heart and trying to make sense of it. And I think a lot of times empaths from my own experience and what I've observed from a lot of my clients is they justify and okay the behavior of the person who broke their heart. They justify or make the ex's behavior okay who's done the breaking of the heart, which then leads you to holding on longer. If you're making his behavior okay, while also managing your own loss, it justifies staying in the pain. Now, I want to be very clear here. I'm not saying you have to villainize your ex. There are good men and women out there who break hearts, who do it the quote unquote right way. I'm very, I'm very, conscious of saying what's right, wrong, healthy, unhealthy, these labels that we attach to doing things the right way, the wrong way, the healthy way, the unhealthy way, right? But I would say the most respectful way, good people out there decide that you're not the right fit for them. And that can be really, really painful. But when we start to justify and understand and lean into all this compassion for that person and still also love the idea of being committed to unconditionally loving the ex who left us, that can make the heartbreak last longer combined with the absence of the person. It's fucking brutal. It's fucking brutal. I know so many of you are listening right now going, oh my God, yes. It's so painful no longer having him around, no longer having him be mine. And I'm wondering what he's doing, what he's thinking, where he is. Is he okay? Even if he chose to let me go, I know he loved me so much. I know him breaking up with me was one of the hardest things that he had to do. I know he has unhealed wounds from childhood. I know his job stress. I know that he is scarred from his last relationships. We come up with all these excuses to just love bigger, love harder, love unconditionally and it keeps us holding on. And so I just really want to honor that for those of you who are listening, who are thinking, God, this is such a fucked up place to be. I'm fucked up. 
what's wrong with me. If I'm not feeling sorry for me, I'm feeling sorry for him. And this is why, right? I get this question all the time. Why is it so hard? Why am I still in so much pain? And I think if you're an empath, this is why. So in the first episode, last week's episode, Empath Life in Romantic Relationships, I shared an article, and again, we'll link that up in the show notes, by Crystal Ray Pohl, where she gave 15 signs that you are an empath. And I really identified with all of them. And so I want to offer eight things you can do as an empath navigating through your heartbreak. So the first thing that I want to offer, and there's no chronological order here. I'm just going through what occurred to me and what has helped me. So the first thing that I would offer is get out in nature. Empaths love nature, which is really interesting for me. I grew up in a beautiful suburban town just north of New York City, and I've always lived near the beach. In Dublin, we also lived near the beach. I was very fortunate to live in beautiful places throughout my childhood. But I don't think I ever really had an appreciation for nature until I moved to L.A. Of course, you know, you see a pretty sunset or the beach or whatever, but I don't think I craved nature. I had a friend in high school who did these outward bound wilderness camps and I was like, oh, cool. Like it just didn't it wasn't something that occurred to me. I was way more into performing arts and clothes and boys. But when I moved to L.A. in my late 20s, I really took in the beauty of LA and the hikes and the ocean. And when I first moved to LA, I'm 40 years old now. I'm, I was 28 and I was navigating my first adult heartbreak, which is separate from my rock bottom ex that occurred two years later. Yes, there was quite the pattern, my loves. (laughs) And I found hikes in LA to be extremely healing. I was able to feel my pain. I felt like I was breathing. I know there's a lot of pollution in LA, but I felt like I was able to get out and be with myself. And I really felt a strong connection to God, the divine, the universe. I just remember feeling, and for me, it's his presence and it will be different for all of you, or maybe it's non-existent, but I would talk to him and I would cry. And I think at 28 years old, it was the first time because I had been in New York City throughout all of my 20s. It was the first time where I felt like it was safe to be outside and give myself permission to cry and not worry about other people seeing me, but also I didn't have to worry about people seeing me because I would choose hikes that were, you know, not as crowded, which then leads me to the second way to take the best care of yourself navigating heartbreak as an empath is avoid crowds. Empaths feel very overwhelmed by crowds because, again, we take on the energy of other people. So if you're in a crowd, it's super freaking overwhelming. I'm recording this episode about three, four days before I leave for Cabo, where I'm going to be with my mastermind sisters and my business coach. And I'm guest coaching for a different group that my coach is leading. So I'm going to be in big groups for five days straight. And keep in mind, I love these women, especially my own particular mastermind. I'm going to be meeting a lot of people I don't know. 
But I love these women and I'm already feeling panicky and claustrophobic and resistant to the crowds. And I I think if you've been listening to me for a while, it might be surprising for you to hear this because I'm quite the outgoing, bubbly personality. But another label I identify with is being an extroverted introvert. So my energy is sucked dry by, by crowds. And personally, I don't know if this is an empath trait. I really hate small talk. <laughs> and so I just have no interest in it and keeping a smile on my face because I've got my mind thinking about multiple things. So that's just an honest tidbit about me. And so avoid crowds. Don't go to crazy bars, even if you're heartbroken and your friends are like, come out, get a drink, have fun, forget about him. Know how to take the best care of you. If a crowd is overwhelming to you, don't go. And already I'm thinking about clients who love to give me arguments, but I have concert tickets, but I'm going to this wedding. (laughs) Look, use your own judgment. But this is the thing about empaths. We naturally want to take care of other people's feelings because we're making them our feelings. So we already have our own feelings. Just as I said before, we have our own feelings about the heartbreak. And then we're taking on the person who broke our heart's feelings right? And this, who you are, I truly believe who you are in one area of your life is who you are in all areas of your life. So if you're doing that in your partnership, strong chance you're doing it in your, with your family members, your coworkers, your boss, your friends, whoever. So if you have plans to go to some crowded place and you are dreading it and you are in the thick of your heartbreak, don't go take the best care of yourself. You're an empath. It sucks your energy. You're already exhausted and depleted because you're feeling the heaviness of your heartbreak. So avoid the crowds. Capiche? Number three, don't be around people who need you. (laughs) Don't be around people who need you. You need you. You are heart broken. You are closing up shop on being there for others. I'm actually thinking about a friend of mine who's just a total full-blown empath. I would say even more so than myself, just in the sense that I know when she was heartbroken, I was one of those people sucking her energy and she let me do it. I don't even know if she would admit it because she'd be like, because she's so kind, but I think she's so kind to a fault that it affects her. It affects her health. It affects her life, her happiness, her well-being. I would never do that with her now. But really saying to the people who normally rely on you and call you up and want you to hear their problems, I am not available to hear your problems. I am really in it with my heartbreak. And I'm just going to have to put this boundary up until I'm in a space where I can hold the space for other people's problems. So don't be around people who need you. That's number three. And I get it. You're going to have all the thoughts. Oh, but I like being a good friend and she's going to be upset with me. And you freak out about her being upset with you because you're going to take on her being upset with you. But the change has to start with you. So remember what I said, we're not changing that we're empaths. 
We're not changing that we're going to feel major discomfort. We're not changing the heaviness of the heartbreak. We're not changing that you're taking on whatever is happening in your ex's world, head, heart. And we're not going to change not caring if you put up a boundary with someone who's used to relying on you. That person may be upset, but I'm inviting you to even move through the discomfort of not taking that on. And I would offer the right friends who do rely on you, but when they know you are hurting and you need to hit pause and you need to get quiet and you need to not show up for them because you've got to put you and your health first and fill your own cup up first, huge learning lesson for me in the dating myself journey. That person is the right friend. And if they're not going to respect that, I would evaluate that friendship. You don't have to evaluate the friendship while you're navigating through the heartbreak, but really stepping into loving on you is crucial and hitting pause on being there for everybody else who needs you. And you're going to come up with all the ways while their life is so much harder than mine. Stop it. You will be able to be a much better friend when you can serve them from a full, healed, whole cup. Number four, this is similar to avoiding crowds, but I do also think there's something to be said about being an empath and I can't stand noise. So avoid noisy places. And it also goes hand in hand with connect with nature. I think most places, when we think about connecting with nature, we imagine quiet and stillness. But I said this in the last episode, Larry really makes so much fun of of me because if we're in a a restaurant and someone next to us is being obnoxiously loud, I just keep whipping my head around and giving them death stares for them to pick up on the fact that they're being so obnoxiously loud and disrespectful of our date night out. And I think it's super rude, but it's so interesting because it doesn't bother him as much. Like he can laugh it off. And turns out empaths really are highly sensitive to loud noise. So avoid those places. Again, could you manage your mind, right? The coaching angle could be, well, you have to go to this noisy place. And so can you manage your mind around it? Yes. I'm not avoiding noisy places for the rest of my life. That would be next to impossible. But I would invite the empath who is extremely heartbroken to set herself up to take the best care of herself. And again, similar to avoid the crowded places, avoid noisy places. No, that's too much for me. Okay. Five, clear your schedule. Again, I think this goes hand in hand with number three in terms of not being there for all the people who need you, but really lightening your load. That could be lightening your workload. If you're a heavy worker outer, I would say lighten up your exercise load, slow it down, slow your body down, clear your schedule. Just be with your painful emotions. Be easy on yourself. As I said, I think the heavy weight of the most excruciating uh, negative emotions, to me, the hardest thing I've ever experienced is heartbreak so far in this lifetime. And I know it's physically exhausting. So lightening up the load as much as possible, lightening up your workload as much as possible, asking your boss, asking your coworkers, saying, I'm really in it and I really need this time to process and grieve will serve you so much more than hurt you. And I think, it, again, it goes with, I who I can't not work, right? I can't not exercise. I can't not do that thing that my mom said she wanted me to do. Come on, you're a grown up, And until you start 
advocating for yourself, people will continue to have these expectations because you created letting people have those expectations of you. Because now I will say I I was that person. I was the yes person. I said yes to every event, every dinner when I had no money. I would just charge shit on the credit card. I just was a yes person because it didn't occur to me to say no. It would just be rude to say no. And it didn't occur to me to maybe say, you know what? I'm going to have to cancel because my mental health comes first. And I just can't put on a happy face. I can't put on a game face right now. It's just, it it never occurred to me that that would be okay. So I am really encouraging you to put yourself first. And I would guess the reason why you're in this heartbreak is because like I said earlier, how you are in one area of your life is how you are in other areas of your life. So I'm imagining you are an overgiver in your relationship and you're overgiving out of fear of other people being upset and not wanting to take on other people's upset thoughts about you. So now as you're navigating healing this heartbreak, I'm offering you these tips because you're an empath of really learning. This is what coaching is, learning how to do things differently. I'm not changing that you're an empath. I know I'm repeating myself here, but I really want you guys to hear this. And I think coaching is hearing the same thing over and over and over again until it lands. So I'm not asking you to change being an empath. I'm not asking you to change your big feelings. I'm asking you to step up and set yourself up to take the best care of yourself when you're in the thick of it. Okay. I think that I made myself clear on that one. Number six, avoid any conflict slash drama lovers. So again, this is similar to avoid the people who need you or put the boundary up with people who need you. But let's say you are at a job where there's a coworker who just sucks your soul or sucks your energy dry, or she's the busybody gossiping or bitching about office politics. And and I'm just using this as one example. It could also be a family member. You could have a sister or a brother who loves to call you and bitch about another family member and get into family drama. Avoid it. It's another sneaky way because you've been so comfortable allowing it. So avoid the dramatic conflict lovers in your life, at least for now, and just tell them. You don't have to avoid. You can just say, I'm really in it and I just do not have the bandwidth to bitch about this because I would guess if it's drama at work or drama in the family or whatever, it is just a waste of time. And your priority, again, is your mental health, not being someone who you just have to be on the receiving end of a bunch of bullshit that just doesn't matter. Six, I'm throwing this out there specifically, but you get to decide what it is. I said, obviously I'm biased because I was a yoga teacher, but I would encourage you to go out to places at some point because empaths really love to isolate. I am definitely seriously the poster child of being an empath, (laughs) but I would encourage you to go to a yoga class or a meditation class at some point, start to open yourself up around people. And I would suggest like-minded people who are showing up for the same quiet and to pause and to slow down. And perhaps they are having a desire to go inward and meet themselves where they're at. So I get 
loving isolation, but at some point I do think that that can take a toll on your mental health. I feel that now as I've been living in Santa Barbara for over a year and for the most part in a pandemic, but now as the world is opening up, I feel a little bit more lonely because my world is just Larry and the kids. And now his job is taken off because he's a lawyer and now cases are opening up and we just don't have this little consistent time and bubble that we were once in. And I did not make friends in Santa Barbara during the pandemic. It wasn't my intention to, and I'm starting to open up and get myself out there. But I felt really lonely as someone who really enjoys her company. And I think that there at some point is a line you have to draw because connection with people is so important. And I would encourage you to go to places that fuel your soul and uh, where like-minded people will be. So I'm just throwing out there a yoga class, meditation class. I don't know. Maybe there's a running club or a cooking class. Like it doesn't have to be physical activity. Okay. So that was number seven, attend a yoga class, meditation class, some kind of class with like-minded people where, you know, it isn't going to be overly crowded and super noisy that you're like, brutal, get me out of here. (laughs) And the last one, drum roll, please. That's not really a drum roll. I know, but I tried. Number eight, join my program. Stop wanting him back and find someone better in case you didn't clock the title. Go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. If you just feel like this is too painful, too unbearable, you don't know which way is up. You don't know how not to say yes. You don't know how not to take on your ex's feelings. You don't know how to not let go. You don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. You don't know how to just do any of this shit. Sign up for my program. There are so many empaths like me in my program working through it. And I think that there's something really powerful in watching other women get coached, not just you get coached, but yes, you will get coached as well, who are going through the same things you are. You're not crazy. You're not weird. There is not something fundamentally wrong with you. And every time you're waking up thinking you're weird, you're different. One of the traits in this article that we're going to attach again in the show notes that I talked about last week is you feel like you have a unique perspective on the world that nobody else can understand. You feel like you don't fit in. I think that there were two. You feel like you don't fit in and you have a very unique perspective on the world, which I think goes hand in hand with not feeling like you fit in. And yes, this program is anonymous, first name only, but the connection and the love that the women have for each other. So the way the live calls are set up is that the only person seen getting coached is the woman who raises her hand with her first name on a Zoom call and me coaching her. And so then I'll move to the next person who raises her hand for coaching and she'll say, wow, that coaching helped me so much. And I didn't even realize that I was doing the same thing as her. And that's just a small example of how impactful this program can be on your life and impactful in ways that you don't even realize until you say yes. So get the help. It's okay to ask for help instead of being the person who's always helping everyone else and then feels exhausted and that her well is dry and she doesn't know how to fill it back up. I will help you do exactly that. So head on over again to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and Email hello at clairetheheartbreakcoach.com to set up your 30-minute consultation so we can talk about exactly how the program will work for you and get you to a clear yes or a clear no. The worst thing you can do is leave your mind 
to its own device to be like, I'm thinking about it. Maybe at this time, then maybe I'll be ready. But I got all this other stuff. It's like, as your coach on the consultation, I will help you get to a clear yes or a clear no. This is not about me twisting your arm to a yes. This is about me getting clear with your mind, showing you what it's telling you in order to prevent you from the healing that I know deep down you're craving. And most importantly, the love deep down that you are craving. So much love, my loves. Until next time, when we unpack being an empath approaching her dating life. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after. 